name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. So uh, today is the Solemnity of the Most Holy Trinity, and here is a reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. The eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had ordered them. When they all saw him, they worshipped, but they doubted. Then Jesus approached and said to them, All power in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, until the end of the age. Uh, yep, so we were just talking about this before, how uh, the Solemnity of the Holy Trinity emphasis is on uh, the Trinity. Um, of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So, I know, I, I've been thinking about that, and I also listened to some 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 stuff about it. Um, I think the thing that I find most interesting is that uh, you know. So people say you know God is love. He, he literally is love, and in order for that to be true, uh, that's why there's a Trinity. Uh, is because. Uh, there's, um, you know, the lover, and the beloved, and the, and the love that's shared between the two. Um, so God the Father is the love, God the Son is the beloved, and the Holy Spirit is, you know, the love between the two. Um, and uh, another thing that I heard recently that I thought was interesting was um, that... And, and like, you know, in that sense, it makes sense. So God is love, and so that's why, and, and that's an explanation of the Trinity. But then, um, ready to, like, humans, so, like, we're made in God's image, so we are also uh, intended to be uh, the image of, of love. And that's why, you know, uh, um, I've, heard, I've heard, like, so the commandment of Jesus is for us to love one another, uh, as he loves us, and, and he also said that um, he also said that um, when he prayed the priestly pr prayer, right, he asked the Father that that um, that they be one as as we are one, right? the Father in, in in him and he and they. And you know, it is interesting. I have no doubt in my like I don't know. I have no doubt that. There is a the, the triune God is undivided. You can't divide the Trinity. It's one. You know. I think the um, probably technical term is you know it's the same. They're the same substance. Three persons. One one thing. But um. But there's like intuitively it makes sense to me. I'm, I'm not exactly sure why. But but with humans, um, I you know, I don't think we're totally cut off from God because that's what like hell is. But we're we're in this like place where we're kind of like I don't know where sometimes it feels like we're separated from God and sometimes it feels like we're separated from one another, and uh, and and so 
we're supposed to, we're, we're meant to love one another. We're meant to, you know, not just share in the, uh, the, the love uh, that God has. Uh, you know, the, we're not meant to just share in the love that God is. We're also to share that love with one another, and, and which is what, you know, God does. <laughs> but um, I don't know. Uh, and so spiritual warfare has three aspects to it. It's, it's one is uh, your relationship with God. Another is uh, your relationship with other people. And the third is other people's relationship with God. Because, uh, and that's also like the, the Trinity. So, I don't know. so those are some thoughts I've been having about it recently. Where are we in the process with, has the Holy Spirit descended yet or are they still waiting for that? Because we have the ascension. Yeah, I'm not, well, the last, different... Last Sunday was Pentecost Sunday. Last Sunday was Pentecost, so yeah, that was the descent of the Holy Spirit? Yeah, I mean, then, mm-hmm. 10 days after the ascension. So. Right. <clears throat> so it's a different date every year, but Pentecost Sunday was... Um, <clears throat> that was the... Um, people say is the beginning of the uh, church and the beginning of the Acts of the Apostles. That's the interface between the end of the Gospels... Um, no, it's actually um, 10 days before is the uh, end of the Gospel, Ascension. Okay. And then the very beginning of Acts of the Apostles is uh, talks about the uh, Pentecost Sunday, which was last Sunday. And then a week later, in, in the modern church, is the Holy Trinity Sunday, which is a, um, was today, and, um, and it's a big event over at Holy Trinity, you know, it's... Bucks, Holy Trinity, Bucks County, and there's a Holy Trinity in Philadelphia, too, in the city. So those two parishes um, within the Archdiocese of Philadelphia are obviously, it's a big uh, big event for, for them. Father Eckert, of course, and then whoever is a pastor at the one down in um, Philadelphia. Did they change much, the Apostles, once they had the Holy Spirit with them, because is this gospel? I heard that you know they, they did have some doubt because of what they had experienced the, the the very high high of Jesus being with them, and then <clears throat> scared to death literally uh, at his crucifixion, and then with the resurrection, seeing him again, you know, gave them a tremendous uh, boost. But then him leaving again, you know, for the final time and, and waiting for the descent. So there was always, I guess, a smidgen of doubt there, but there was a, a great hope there. I mean, I look at it like, um, uh, so the, the disciples fall on humans just like us. And, uh, and so the, I, I feel like the descent of the Holy Spirit, it was like... Uh, what enables them to to uh, uh, to continue Jesus's mission, and I think I mentioned maybe last week that I when I think of the Holy Spirit, I think of uh, uh, like there's that prayer that and renew the face of the earth. It's like a it's kind of like a spirit of renewal. I feel like because uh, you know so Jesus helps us do what we can't do you know on our own, and so. Um, another thing I was thinking about recently, I was reading in the book, was um, that you know Jesus asks us to be perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect. 
and uh, it's a tall order. You know, it's a very <laughs> tall order. Oh yeah, we're, uh, uh, and you know, so we're we're I'm not screw up now. So and you want me to be perfect like him? Yeah, and and it's <clears throat> you know we're basically you know cut off from God. We're incapable of doing that. Um, and but the Holy Spirit and the grace of uh, of Jesus uh, enable us to, to 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 do that. But it doesn't happen overnight. You know. It, uh, it's also a, a slow process, like all of God's creation. Um, and so in this instance, uh, where he tells them to uh, go forth and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and it's like the Holy Spirit came down on them in Pentecost to enable them to do that, to enable them to continue Jesus' mission. But, um, but, you know, whether they were right then capable of doing it, you know, it's, it's questionable, but there's no question that he gave them the ability to do that. And that's why the church has continued down through the ages. And we have, you know, he says, I'm with you until the end of the age. The, the Spirit, uh, you know, the, the Holy Spirit is, uh, I think it's alive not just in the church, but even outside the church. So Jesus is, is, is you know, uh, I guess we're trying to cooperate with Jesus uh with the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit to um, to continue that mission. Flesh. It's also comforting, you know, I'm with you always until the end of the age. It's a comforting thing. Yeah, that'll be with us always. <laughs> That's pretty general term. The end of the end of the age. It's kind of like um, it's kind of a mystery as as to what that exactly means. I guess it means right. the uh, the age means the till the end of the uh, world, as we know it at the second uh, coming to the second coming of uh, Jesus, descending from heaven again to uh, whenever that time is. But it is kind of like a, uh, the age is kind of like, uh, it's a little bit, to me it sounds a little vague and a little bit uh, mysterious. I, I think of it as like the end of time, uh, and like that, I don't know, we're in, we're in space and time, and, 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 and that's what like, you know, Earth, uh, Earth is, and, and at some point, um, you know, there'll be a new heaven, like, it'll be the end of time, and then after that, there'll be a new heaven and a new Earth. It's pretty deep to think about that, too. You know, the fact that at some point in time, I'm guessing that all of us will not, uh, there won't be anybody physically alive whenever that end time arrives. And then we're hoping that our souls and our bodies are reunited and we're with Him in heaven. Uh, at the, in the homily today, uh, I thought it was really it interesting way to think of things uh the deacon said imagine that you are god you're the holy trinity you know, you're, you're love itself and you share love uh with you know, you're the, between the father the son the holy spirit and like so love is what you are and and you look down your creation you look at earth now and you see you know war and people not caring about one another you know people you know, you know, you see the imperfections and, and the fallen state of man. It's like, it's only when 
I feel like you only really notice the grievousness of, of you know, the sins of humanity if you are, you know, that love, and, you know, that, um, where then you, you realize, you know, um, so I don't know, it's, it's an interesting thought experiment because you can kind of get desensitized stuff to stuff uh, and not realize uh, how bad it is. Like, I feel real bad about the, uh, what's going on in, in you know, the, the Holy Land, you know, it's like, it's terrible. Yeah, it's horrible. I know. What's going on? Well, just like, you know, uh, there's mistreating one another. They're definitely not, uh, there, there is not enough love, like true love between the two uh, factions. And that was recent. It's been going on for years, though. Yeah, but it's just different uh, level of intensity. Another thing is, it's like, uh, like the what, tr and there's also like what people on earth think of as love, and we talked about this in, in previous things, but like true love is you know, giving of yourself, you know. Uh, um, so that's why it's, I don't know, there are people, there are like, you know, saints on earth and stuff like that. We may not know who they are, but, but, uh, if, imagine if everyone was the saint, everyone was, you know, truly self sacrificing and, uh, I think that's what we're like you know, supposed to be. Hmm. I just think of the cross a lot of times when in this conversation that God has, you know, given us all a tremendous amount of abilities and, you know, it's up to us to use them or not, depending on the situation, I guess. I think it comes down to the fact that uh, all of us here pray, but I think when we pray, we have to sometimes just sit and try to listen to see what he's telling us. Um, it's hard sometimes, but uh, if, you, if you sit and really think about what he's trying to say to you, I think he can figure it out and then just, just go at it. Just be a disciple like he wants all of us to be. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, uh, so, so Jesus told us to be perfect like our Heavenly Father is perfect, but he also said, you know, uh, come to me all you who, who are la laboring or heavily burdened and I will give you rest. So it's, it's like interesting because um, uh, sometimes in prayer I'll think about that I'll, and I'll, I'll just like be like, I'll just, you know, it's like so, I, I very frequently will just be like, my life is a prayer, and in this moment is a prayer, and I'm not even gonna like you know because sometimes if I try too hard, uh, it, then it's me, it's me trying hard, and so I'm just like, you know, uh, I kind of just like you know I I I take Jesus as word. He said you know uh, that it, uh, it's easy, and I'm just gonna let it. I'm gonna you know just in this moment is my prayer, and I'm not gonna try too hard on it. But Mark, going back to what you said about um, trying to figure out what God is telling us in terms of what we need to do in terms of our faith, uh, the one thing I learned in the, uh, the sermon today um, of a church I attended online, 9 at 9 a.m., is the fact that you have to start small. 
And the example he gave in the sermon, the priest gave in the sermon, and it's, it's so on the spot. He said, go back to when Christ picked 12 men. <laughs> Even after he picked 12 men, he was down to 11 at one point. But look at what has happened over the past two, 2,000 years when Christ started off small with just 12 guys. <coughs> it's, it's, it's amazing. And that hit me. The fact that, wait, here's our Lord and Savior who is God. <coughs> And he started off with 12 guys, uh, a tax collector, a bunch of fishermen <laughs> who left everything and started with him. And look at the movement he started then and look where it is now. So that, that so hit me today with all the stuff that I have either written down or typed up on the computer or in my head is the fact that you have to, in a lot of cases, start off small and then let it grow. <laughs> hey, you speak of the tax collector I know that one what was the show that we watched yeah we watched the first episode of The Chosen wow guys guys I can get into that today if you want to yeah. oh my goodness go ahead well, I, I just <laughs> thought it was intense you know I, I, I never pictured Matthew as the tax collector until I saw that I, and I get that was him as a young man and they actually had to hide him in the in the in the uh wagon that they were bringing by because mm -hmm. he was so despised sure and then the roman centurion shows up and unlocks the gate and, and he's responsible for collecting the taxes from all the jews and then they just, just basically do the transfer and then he's taken with the roman to go to the roman place to to pay offer up the taxes and i thought that was an extremely intense scene um and how uh yeah, how that was was done. Yeah, we talked about it a little bit afterwards. We've only seen the first episode, so don't ruin it for us too, I won't. too much. But I won't. Uh, it is it is like a historical fiction, but I I thought it's uh, the symbolism of it is, you know, um, I thought it was good symbolism, you know, and consistent with uh, uh, things. It's, but it is you know something to be. It is a historical fiction, but I like it. Yeah. Um, I would say, see, I, I watched, there are, just some information for anybody who listens to this podcast. Uh, the Chosen is the only uh, series where Jesus is the main focus, and it's, um, there are going to be seven episodes altogether. That's never been done before. It's either, let's make a movie on Jesus, and then it's one, two, three hours long, but it's never been a series. So right now... They're in the process of writing uh, the episodes for season three. And I watched the first three episodes of the first series, and I was not a fan. I, I just wasn't. And I had, if you want to call them debates, with a few of my friends who are into Christianity like you and I are, all of us here are. And uh, they didn't really convince me, but they said, just give it time. And I just kept watching episode after episode. So. Of The Chosen. Correct. So I watched all eight episodes of series one, or season one, they call it. And then I am almost through season number two. Now, anybody who's listening to this, uh, you can watch the first two seasons on YouTube or Facebook, or there's the app called The Chosen. Uh, 
season three on, you can only watch any of the episodes on the app. You can't watch them on Facebook or YouTube or anywhere else anymore. Uh, what, what's amazing to me is the fact that the first season was funded by about 19,000 people. And then it was so popular that the second season, they got even more money to fund it. And it's free, which has never been done before. But, but getting back to the fact that I wasn't convinced after the first three the first three episodes of season one, but I'm convinced right now. Uh, I think anybody who is a doubter like I was with just watching the first several, I've watched uh, one of the producers, the main producer, and the person who portrays Jesus. Uh, my goodness, are they into their faith or what? Uh, that's number one. Number two, I, I think you have to to watch not just more of the episodes, but and, and this changed it for me, but I think you have to watch uh, the person who plays Jesus being interviewed by one of the producers, which I'm in the middle of right now, and it's, it's life-changing for them. It has been life-changing for them in terms of uh, how they live their lives, how they look at things in life, uh, et cetera, et cetera. But um, if you're a doubter, which is fine, because I was, uh, now, now, don't get me wrong. There are some things that are in there that are not in the Bible, okay? Yeah. <laughs> They're in there. Yeah. But the thing is, I think just like other producers who have tried to depict Jesus, you have to understand that we know this. He was human. Uh, he probably, as a kid, tripped and fell a bunch of times. And just like the mom she is, Mary picked him up and comforted Jesus as a little, you know, little kid scraping his knees. Um, I won't give away anything that I've seen in the other episodes in season one and season two, but uh, they do throw some jokes in there. I won't tell you any of the jokes. I've only seen one, because and I've seen two episodes. They, they don't put many in there, but uh, there, there are some big discussions ahead of time as to is this appropriate or not. Uh, now keep, now, keep in mind, I'm also in the middle of, not just, actually, I just finished watching the producer interview Jesus, the person who portrays Jesus. So it's like an hour-long interview. I would highly recommend you watch that. But right now, I just started, the producer is interviewing a Catholic priest, a, an evangelical, I'm not sure what you call that particular person, and a rabbi. And... They're all on board, <laughs> the priest, the rabbi, and the evangelical, about how they're portraying Jesus. Uh, I won't give it away, but uh, to me, one of the most amazing scenes is when he's with the woman at the well. So I'll just say that, and um, I would say keep just keep watching. But I, I so understand where you're coming from, because I, where you are now with the first episode of season one, I was there for the first three episodes of season one. I wasn't... I'm like, wait, did this really happen? But some of it, it might not have happened, but they've done their research. I don't think they've done, and I could be wrong. I hope I'm wrong, but they might not have done much as much research as Mel Gibson for The Passion. I mean, he interviewed hundreds of scholars on uh, scripture. I don't know how many people they they asked to get on board with, uh, um, you know, the way Mel Gibson did it for his The Passion of the Christ. But uh, I would say just, you know, just like people told me, just give it time. 
<laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm interested. My understanding of it is that the, um, you know, the episodes have kind of like the backstories of the different uh, uh, people, and that um, you know, there's they kind of make up those backstories, but they yeah. do so based on true things, and also yeah. maybe more importantly that the kind of like the 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 symbolism, like the higher level symbolism, mm-hmm. uh, is. Uh, is is you know, I think consistent. As yeah. A, yeah, I'll tell you what, what. What might help any of you guys who actually choose to watch any more episodes? I might go back and watch it again. It's what I said before. It's the one interview that the producer has with the person who is Christ in the Chosen. Uh, if you listen to what he has to say about his faith and where he was before the Chosen and where he is now and where he believes he's going. Uh, it's it's amazing, and what's interesting is he he actually has played some uh, roles before the chosen, where he was Christ in some things, uh, which is really neat to see. Uh, but oh my goodness, it's really neat. I don't I haven't played uh, Jesus in the chosen, but I did play Jesus. I know, yeah. <laughs> I, I I think it, it was uh, I don't know. Uh, I definitely. Feel like it was a blessing, you know? mm-hmm. yeah. And and this actor basically says, like you just said, it's a blessing, uh, it's humbling. And the, the big word that came out in the interview with the producer is the fact that uh, he feels many times that he's not worthy uh, to play this role. But it sounds like he's trying to listen to what God is saying to him in terms of it's okay with your doing. This is what I want you to do. This is what people want to hear. I'm working through you to get to these other people who are actually followers of the of the show. But yeah, I never thought about the fact that you did play Christ in the um, the uh, hello. Was uh, the living stations? The living across. stations of the cross. Yeah. So, do they still have that in the parish? Say it again. Do they still have that? Oh uh, no, but I think. Uh, yeah, I know that. Uh, I think at Holy Trinity they have it. Did you see that, John, by chance? Where outside on the uh, the soccer fields are? Uh, yeah, they do that. They do that. Stations of the Cross. This is a couple of years ago. I was just bringing it up because we were talking about uh, another uh, gentleman. Yeah. Well, I mean, the same can be said about um, you know, in terms of this series. Same can be said about the effect it had on uh, Max von Sydow, who played uh, Jesus in the, you know, that's, that's a movie that's, I think Max von Sydow's deceased now, but I think it had a big impact on uh, his life. And that's the movie that they show on the, uh, it's on that movie's uh, channel, which I think Fox owns, where they go through the um, public ministry of Jesus and, um, uh, and Jesus was played by Max von Sydow. I think he had a big impact on his life. Um, hopefully for the rest of his life. I'm not. I don't know for certain. And then the other guy is Jim Caviezel. Yeah. You know, he's the man who played uh, Passion in the Jesus and the Passion of Christ. And um, you know, then he uh, he had a series on CBS. Uh, I forget what it was called. It was on for three or four years. It got canceled. But uh, I'm not sure what he's doing recently, but I think he's still very religious and very, um, how could you not be? Hmm. I think he was in the be- to begin with anyway, so. 
Um, not sure what uh, he was an evangelical or Catholic or um, not sure what his um, I think Mel Gibson sought funding from the Orthodox Catholic Church and they refused and then the evangelical uh, evangelical church picked it up and uh, sponsored the movie put the funding behind it and then Pope John Paul II saw it just shortly before his death and said this is something to be um, endorsed that's good to know. And then recently, uh, what's his name, uh, Mark Burnett, who, you know, he, he produced the Shark Tank and the Survivor, and I think he might do the Tough as Nails thing, too. Anything, anything reality TV touches is, usually turns to gold. And, um, you know, last, not this past Easter, but the one before, um, the, um, one of the, um, you know, the channel, I think, that he, um, he may own this, um, I forget what it was called, but the, um, Basically, kind of religious evangelical type of channel. They show that series on the uh, you know what was happening around the time of the Passion of the Christ, and um, and that, that, there you have Mark Burnett, and he's married to um, the woman from uh, the Irish Lady, touched by an angel. Remember her, the Irish woman. What's her name? I don't know her name, but I, I, I watched some of those episodes years right. ago. Touched by an Angel was actually an unusual show to be on network TV. It was, they, yeah. It had religious themes. <laughs> the black lady was there, so a mentor. Get her name too. But her name, you know, I, I, uh, um, I forget the names anyway. But and then if you're a good priest, I mean, if, you, if you're in Persona Christi, if you really take it seriously. And to me, that's what that's uh, Father Will through and through. I mean, he really puts his heart and soul into the uh, homily to the point where he, um, you know, he practically lost his voice Pentecost Sunday homily. So, you know, he may he, he may have other flaws. He may be flawed because he's a human being in other ways. But in terms of his saying the mass and uh, giving a good, good homily and being very very attuned to the sacraments, I think he's uh, right on target. So. I guess a lot of homilies today in the Holy Trinity, you know, they, they probably brought up things about that Pope Benedict has meditated on. I, you know, um, I should try to access... Uh, there's probably a library, a website where you can go and you can call up his name and just read all of his homilies and his encyclicals and reflections and just um, realize that you're, uh, you know, you're, you're reading some things from a very gifted person who's very religious, very humble, very modest, but at the same time just an absolutely uh, uh, brilliant mind who takes in the material from the Bible and then is able to meditate on it and then make reasonable, um, reasonable uh, conclusions or um, projections of what what it means, and that are theologically sound. So, and he, you know, one, on the Holy Trinity, he says, you know, there's the Father, there's the Son. The Son came to Earth, died on the cross. And you know, suffered bad, badly, you know, because of all the all, all the things that's happened in the last um, before, and then in the last approaching two thousand years, right? Thirty A.D. 
2021, we're not quite at 2,000 years. We're not quite there yet. But, um, and then the Holy Spirit is the, that's the love. Love between the Father and Son. It's almost like a membrane, kind of like a, uh, kind of like a plasma or an interface between the uh, Father and the Son that also is very present in the world. Mm-hmm. Sort of permeates the world for those who call upon free will choice, call upon the Holy Spirit. Yeah, I was trying to meditate on that, um, you know, how the family, like, how, how like, the family, even just, like, the human family is, is uh, kind of like the Trinity. Um, and uh, one of the things that I was reminded of is that in the book of Genesis, when it talks about um, that, that Eve came from the side of Adam, uh, and so it's kind of like, you know, uh, and he's like, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. And uh, I think it's, it's also like, the, it's like the same substance. And I've heard, I one time watched some uh, lectures by some Jewish rabbis, and, and, and one of them made a big deal of the fact that he's, he said, you know, uh, people say that Eve came from the rib of Adam, but that's not what it says. It says from the side, that, that they, they were like, you know, connected, and, right. and, and, and that, and that he, uh, God just, you know, uh, took that part that was connected from so that he could he could see he could see it. Um, yeah, I don't know. I thought it was interesting. And it's also it's like how in, in the same way that uh, there's love between the, the father and the son, there's supposed to be you know, love between us all in in like the family of humanity and stuff. And another thing that's interesting is you know the. Trinity is like, you know, there's no question in my mind that it's like undivided, but in like the fallen humanity, that's what like the devil does is, is you know, basically trying to separate us both from God and one another and stuff. But uh, I also feel like, you know, it's the power of God, the power of love that, that, that keeps us together, you know. That's why, like, even with, uh, like, the horrible stuff that happens, like being crucified, uh, you can still trust, you know, that you can still, like, offer it up and be like, you know, I, I don't like that this is happening, but, I, but you know, I, I know that, you know, God has a plan, he's going to make good stuff come out of this, and so, like, even, like, you know, for, forgiving people for, you know, for crucifying you or, or whatever, is like, that's... Uh, that, that's love working in a way, and it may not be obvious, but but um, that's why we're all gonna have to forgive one another and uh, uh, for, for for stuff. Yeah, the one thing I, I think about a lot is the fact that if you actually read the newspaper or just watch something on cable television or read something at some website about all the things, all the stuff that's happening on the planet, I I really think about. The, the, the one thing you don't see, at least I don't see it, maybe just a little bit, you'll see an article or two just about people reaching out, helping others, which is fantastic. I wish we would see more of that. But the one thing you don't see, no matter what people suggest in terms of how to fix things, is you don't see uh, let's actually spread Christianity. I truly believe that if everybody on this planet, it's not going to happen, I don't think, but if everybody was a Christian where what we're talking about, God is love. If everybody tried to follow our faith, Christianity, I think this world would be different. It'd be a better place. Um, I just think it would. 
Yeah, I have heard people who who uh, like are Jewish and and, and uh, talk to them about Christianity, and they're like, yeah, you know, I think uh, if, uh, I like everything that Jesus said. You know, people should do it. <laughs> you know, yeah, they they say that, yeah. and they're not even Christians. Yeah, uh, and and so it's, yeah, <laughs> um, but it's it's yeah. Well, the, the the thing about that, I've never understood this. Maybe somebody can explain this to me. Is the fact that. And David Letterman did this for years when he had his uh, late night show. He did the top 10 list. Uh, top 10 of this, top 10 of that. I challenge anybody on this planet, anybody, to uh, compare anyone in the history of time to what Christ did when he was here. If you take, if you can actually put out there a top 10 list of the things that Christ did, uh, or if you had a top 10 prophets of all time, uh, I, there, there, there's no comparison. I, that's why I don't understand. I get it. You're Jewish and you follow the Torah. I get that. I understand the first five books of the Bible. You study those inside. You memorize them. You follow these 600 and some different things where you do good for others. I get that. But do, do they flat out deny Christ? The fact, I mean, look at what he did. There's documentation that said he raised people from the dead. People saw him, people who were deformed for life. He cured them. They could, they could actually walk now. Somebody who had leprosy, they're now cured. Uh, there's documentation that says after he was crucified and died on the cross, there's documentation where he actually you know, had a meal with people after he came back from dying. I, I just don't get the fact that there's there's all this document there, 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 there are all these facts out there about Christ. So if you're Jewish or just anybody else, why would you not why would you not follow him? I, I don't understand that. And I'm sure there's many reasons out there. I, I mean I have my own reasons, but I'm playing devil's advocate. I, I mean I also I uh I like how Jesus he he kind of like I think that the 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 law in the Old Testament is, is you know a good thing, but he kind of like takes it to another level, you know, like he does, like not just not just uh, um, like you know loving your enemies, but also like not even just like like adultery is bad, even thinking about uh, <laughs> right. stuff is bad, and so, like then it, I, I also a lot of prayers are kind of about um, uh, like uh, there's a couple of prayers that are about. You know, wanting us to be uh, so that all our uh, thoughts and words and actions tend towards God's glory. You know, so that we we do good. I do think that like things start with uh, with your your thoughts. Thoughts lead to words. Words leads to actions. Actions lead to character, and character leads to destiny or something. I've seen that wow. in, in, in places, and so it does kind of start with the the, the thought realm. And uh, and we don't. I don't think we do have control over our thoughts, and so that that kind of makes it difficult. And so, um, but uh, uh, but we do. Uh, yeah, I don't know. So I I do feel like it's like the spiritual the spiritual battle uh, does kind of start within. <laughs> I I uh, was watching this thing yesterday of. Uh, 
Uh, it's one of the Chronicles of Narnia, the, the Voyage of the Dawn Treader. And I really liked it. I was like, because uh, uh, it was a, it was about this like evil force that you're fighting against. Right. But the evil force, it, it, it like, you know, kind of like uh, uh, tempts you and causes you to have bad thoughts and stuff. And, and, and I was like, yeah, that's it's like, you know, it's good. So that, that is kind of like what, what, where we're, where we're at in the, in the spiritual realm, fighting against evil. It's true. <laughs> Can you go back? Because something you said sounds like it should be on a T-shirt for people to read. You said there were five things. Something oh, about. Oh yeah. Well, this can is. Can you say this again? Yeah, I'll so. say this again. This is also if you ever end up in like a mental hospital, they have this uh, as one of the things. It says um, that thoughts lead to words, uh, words lead to actions, actions lead to habits, uh, habits lead to character, and character leads to destiny. And so that's on maybe a plaque or somewhere you've seen that. Yeah. yeah. Google that and see who, who originated that. Um, yeah, somebody I, came up with that. Yeah, that's cool. I, I get two um, daily video reflections, and I did not watch one of them the other day. But uh, the picture that showed up before you press play to, to play the video, it makes sense. It's related to the Trinity. It says, and I'm a math person, so it's cool. One plus one plus one equals one. <laughs> I'm like, that's awesome. I don't get it. Father, Son, oh, okay. Holy oh, okay. Spirit yeah. are all one. Yeah. yeah. So the Father, Son, Holy Spirit is, yeah. is God. Yeah. Could you bring it down one more time, Keith? Five things. Thoughts lead to... Uh, thoughts lead to words. Words. Yep. And uh, uh, words lead to actions. And then uh, actions lead to habits. To habits. Yep, and then mm -hmm. habits lead to character. And then character leads to destiny. And actually, this reminds me, I was listening to, um, I was listening to something, it was a speech given by Bishop Rod Barron at World Meeting of Families in 2018, and, and he talked about, uh, he went through um, one of the papers written by Pope Francis, and and in it, he talks about how the, the family, again, we're um, making a connection between the Holy Trinity and the family, uh, that family is where you are supposed to grow in virtue, and that, you know, uh, particularly, you know, the holy virtues of faith, hope, and love, and that where we learn and, and develop those virtues is in, is and practice them is in the family. And, uh, and, and then I think of, like, you know, I, it's not easy. Like, I think of my family and and, and, and like you know the things that have ha happened in it and and uh, and stuff and and you definitely you know faith, hope, and love. You definitely learn those, and it's not it, it, you know it's it's a painful process. You know, like and I've gotten a lot of uh, arguments and fights with my brother. I've done stuff. I've hurt my brother and uh, and and stuff like that, and I f and I feel real bad about it. Um, but, but, uh, I love my brother and I'm looking forward to like, you know, uh, I guess, I don't know, you know, so, I don't know, like, cause you, you learn, you learn to love by, I think, I, I really do believe that, like, to err is human and to forgive is divine. And it helps when you're growing up in a setting where you are loved by other people, mainly your parents. Because uh, some people don't get that. And when you don't get that, that's all you know. 
you know, the, whatever the opposite of love is. Um, I mean, we're all broken. That's the big word that Father Mike Smith says in this Bible in a Year podcast. Uh, I mean, we, we are. We just it, It's pretty cool to see how our lives relate to all these folks. We're still in the Old Testament in the Bible in a Year podcast. You guys have heard of the name King David, King Solomon, King Saul. My goodness, they were, I mean, the stuff they did, I, I wouldn't even think about doing. <laughs> as, a, as a husband, I'm like, wait, he did this? <laughs> You're not supposed to do that because God told us not to. <laughs> Plus, it's not, it's not good. But, um, yeah, we're all broken. But that key word, forgiveness, is, I mean, that, that, that's a hard thing to do, whether it be the person who, needs to forgive somebody else, or if you're the one who are forgiven, is to accept that forgiveness. Yeah, and maybe for some people it's easy, you know, to forgive and uh, to receive that forgiveness, but yeah, I mean, it's hard sometimes to do both. Yeah, this Father Robert Marin, um, uh, I guess if Black and white, officially, he's an auxiliary auxiliary bishop in Chicago. Is that right? Uh, he's not the overall archbishop of Chicago, or is he, does he have his he, own diocese? Yeah, he moved from Chicago, so now he's the bishop in, like, California. Oh, he's, he's in charge of a diocese there? Yeah. Yeah, but, um, well, that's what happened with Fulton Sheen. I was going to make, you know, he, he's like a modern-day uh, archbishop, Fulton J. Sheen, who died in... Uh, November or December of 1979, when I was a freshman in uh, college, uh, one, about one year before John Lennon was shot. So, but all of his work, I mean, those, uh, you know, the, that nine hours of television he produced on the Catholic Church, and three or four hours of it made it onto PBS. You know, they couldn't take the, um, you know, they're kind of a secular network, kind of a liberal, if you will. They, they couldn't show, they didn't feel they could show five hours, but... They felt that four hours of it would could, could be justified to show on PBS, you know, about the uh, grandeur of the cathedrals and just the overall impact of the church in terms of uh, cultural development. But, um, and then for a time, um, Fulton J. Fulton Sheen, I think, was the, uh, was the bishop of, uh, I think it was Rochester, New York. So, so him being from, also from the, I think from Peoria, Illinois. So he did spend some time as the Archbishop, uh, Bishop of Rochester, but then uh, toward the end of his life, when, I, when, he, when he couldn't carry out all the duties, he was, he was relieved of his duties in the, in the Diocese of Rochester. I believe that's the Diocese of New York, and then he came back to New York City, and um, he was doing the, uh, still doing some of his writings and the, theological. It's like, like Paul Benedict is uh, just basically a full-time theologian right now, but at the monastery uh, he lives in, so just have to um, change with the times, and you have to be, you know, like Pope Benedict resigned because, you know, he, he couldn't fly airplanes anymore and go to the youth gatherings, it would have been too dangerous, and I thought that was going to be happening with Pope uh, Francis, but he's still uh, in charge, he's still Pope. So maybe he, um, his health out aspect is uh, is good enough where he can do do the traveling required, going to the Middle East, you know, Iraq, and then Holy Land. 
I mean, two uh, pressurized uh, trips recently that he's had in the springtime. I wonder why, you know, I guess this uh, Holy Trinity Sunday, I guess the Gospel of Matthew is always read, though. This is the cycle of Mark. Um, I'm assuming that for this feast day, this standalone gospel is read every, every oh, single... Uh, uh, no, this is from the B, B cycle. Looks so like this is Mark, but this is the Mark cycle, so I guess there's no... There mustn't be a passage in Mark where it, it's good enough for, uh, for a feast day like the Holy Trinity Sunday. Yeah, it looks where like... it's not called out, you know, specifically. Yeah, it looks like the other two are from John. Yeah. So it's like, uh, you know, so this, you know, so for this specific... So maybe in my son's church, this... I don't know if they even recognize this feast day, pre-1962... Um, it depends on when this feast day came into uh, to effect. Probably came into effect um, in the um, 20s or 30s. So, but uh, in the Gospel of Mark, though, there mustn't be a, like a, a crystal clear. You know, the text doesn't um, you know sort of uh, lend itself to uh, Holy Trinity Sunday in terms of laying it out and being clear about it, like like this text did. Just like in the Passion, you know, the rereading the Passion, you know, the version of the Passion, there are different, uh, you know, there's uh, a couple of them don't have the uh, the good thief and the bad thief on the right and left, which is, uh, you know, maybe all three in the ABC cycles don't have it. I'm not sure about that. Check that. But that's, that's it, at least it's read on uh, Good Friday itself with uh, Gospel of John. That's There is a big reference to it there. It's interesting in terms of that if that took place or not, I assume it did based upon what we know about our faith. If you get back to the chosen, um, the 12 apostles, the way they depict Matthew and John is they are two who are ones who are writing down different things about what's happening at that time. Uh, Matthew, the tax collector they have, uh, he writes detailed notes, and a lot of scholars believe he is one of the 12, Matthew, the one who's in the Gospels. And then John the one who's depicted in The Chosen, he's one who actually sat down and, um, and wrote a lot about uh, what Christ was doing. But uh, some scholars believe that, some don't. Uh, some also believe that uh, Mark and Luke uh, came after you know, the 12 apostles, so they were maybe a generation or two. So it depends on the scholar you talk to, is, is my understanding of it. Keith was very quick to pick up the characters in The Chosen. Me, I didn't, I didn't know. I, I knew... Matthew was the tax collector. Yeah. Who were the brothers that had to go to pay the taxes, but they were a little short? Peter and Andrew. That well, they, they call him Simon. Yeah, okay. It was Peter and Andrew, and they were like saying, oh, you'll lose your boat if you don't pay your taxes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, you know, and that's kind of a very real thing. You know, you don't pay your taxes. Right. There's consequences. I, I've told you guys this before. It's been months, though. When I was in fourth or fifth grade, we had a substitute teacher, and the only thing she taught us for 40-some minutes was... The names of the apostles, and I've never forgotten to this day. And actually, helped me when I'm watching this series because it goes Peter, Andrew, Peter, Simon, Peter, Andrew, James, John, and so in the chosen, uh, Peter, uh, Peter and Andrew are almost always together because they fish together. <laughs> and then you have James and John; they're almost always together. That's how they're depicted because they're brothers. 
So Peter, Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James the Less and his brother Jude, Simon and the traitor Judas. It has stuck in my head since fourth or fifth grade. It's, I don't know. It's just one of those things. But I always go back to that, like how I remember them from that one substitute teacher. Uh, watching this series or just reading scripture or whatever it is, I always go back to it. It's one of those strange things. In, in what point was the centurion making when he challenged the Jews? The, they were talking about taxes, and you could like drown in, in, in taxes, or you get wet. And then uh, the Roman made made reference to fishing. Was he was he trying to get more taxes out of them, or is that was how they were going to pay their taxes by fishing more? I think that was a subplot where he was trying to get them to not fish on the Sabbath so, they could, so the Romans could fish. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, it was something about the Sabbath. They didn't, yeah. yeah, but I think they snuck out one night <clears throat> yeah. and it, it didn't work. And then, you know, somewhere in the Gospels is when Christ made all those fish appear in the nets. So that's fact. <laughs> that It's in here. But, you know, some of the stuff that's in there is not a fact. It's... And then Mary Magdalene was the one that was possessed. Correct. Was possessed. And, and Keith, I, I didn't know who that woman was. Yeah. Because I didn't, I didn't know the background right. of Mary Magdalene. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, I watched that episode before then watching with you guys. But okay. uh, I have not seen the second episode yet, so we can all watch it together. This guy, okay. seriously, just, if you can, just give mm. it some time. I'm, I'm hooked. And that, and that was Nicodemus who went to visit Mary Magdalene? Correct. And boy, I saw a real human element there because Nicodemus, oh, yeah. Nicodemus was like larger than life with yes. everybody. And then when he went up against those demons, he was scared. <laughs> just, just, just. Oh, I, I thought you were going to talk about him and his wife because like with, with other people, he, he, is, he even talks about it. He's like, I'm putting on a show and stuff like that. But then with his wife, he's you know more real. Yeah. yeah. yeah and the way they depict him, and correct me if I'm wrong, but... Is he the one who helped at the crucifixion bring Christ's body off the cross? Is that Nicodemus? Or I think I, I thought that was Joseph at that. Okay, I, I, I think that. I think that both of them helped with that. Okay, I'm not sure. I have okay. to double check the scriptures. Yeah, because while I'm watching this uh, this series, I'm thinking, wait, is this the same Nicodemus? But the way they depict him, I don't know much about him in scripture, but Nicodemus is the guy who all the he he's the person who knows. He knows the Torah inside and out. He can re recite probably everything in the first four books of the f first five books of the Bible, and um, he is portrayed in that way. And he's also portrayed as no matter what anybody says to him or asks him in terms of his students, it's just it's a brilliant answer. <laughs> yeah. And uh, getting back to that interview, um, if you guys can watch it sometime between the producer and the actor who portrays Christ. They are very, very careful. They are very, very careful in terms of every single thing that Christ says in every episode and how he says it. I'm, I'm watching, I'm like, I, I feel like I'm there. Like, I feel like I'm one of the apostles or I'm on the side while he's talking to the apostles, whatever, or he's teaching a, a crowd. Uh, it's just, it's just, he does a really good job. I, I know it's an actor, I get it. But he truly believes that God is working through him and everybody else uh, to do what they're doing. Well, I guess uh, that's historical fiction. Uh, well, it's, you have to be you have to be accurate about it. You know, you can't be too far afield from what uh, 
Jesus says, but in terms of this television program, The Chosen, um, you can uh, take some liberties with uh, what the apostles uh, may or may not have done. Yeah. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, the um, the person, uh, when you if you were to look up the term historical fiction in the dictionary, and I, I made it, and I will never, ever back down from this, about Bucks County and Wadbury having, having all 45 books of his catalog. James right, Mitchell. I never said that, yeah. I mean, he's, uh, he, he is like, that's the, that's the definition of historical fiction. Yeah. I mean, all the different areas he talked about, from areas on Earth, Chesapeake, Texas, Centennial, Colorado, space, the drifters, Middle East, all the way through. Hawaii. There's 45 books written after the age of 42 or 43. Tales of the South Pacific led to the, that was first led to uh, South Pacific, which financed his whole career. Rogers and Hammerstein musical. You know, I mean, what can you say about him? And he never had any descendants, but he's the, he's the uh, he's like the um, the art the uh, archetype the uh, pro patriarch of historical fiction, as far as I'm concerned, in terms of being prolific and accurate and just doing it the right way. Yeah, hey guys, we're gonna have to wrap it up now. Sure. All right. Uh, good meeting, guys. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen.